0: Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie Ben Alpert helping us out on the other side of the glass. Coming up in just about 10 minutes, another national reporter says the Colts have a better future than the Chiefs. And I just don't understand what is going on right now. So we'll get into that coming up in just about 10 minutes. Therese Baylor, the man, the myth, the legend himself, will join us coming up at 1130. But right now. We are joined by my friend David Lesky. He is the Royals uh, writer for Royals Review. He also writes about the Royals for Baseball Prospectus, and you can give him a follow on Twitter, at Leskey. David, how you doing, man? Are you still recovering from the fact that the Royals decided it was time for the Chris Owings experience to come to an end?
1: You know, I don't think that's one of those things you recover from. I think that you just kind of uh, accept it and realize that uh, the, the era is over. Um, Some just,
0: things in life just aren't meant to last, you know.
1: Exactly, and, and you take take the time we had together and cherish it. Basically, is what I'm, that's how I'm dealing with this whole situation.
0: So, when you look back on the Chris Owings era, um, what's going to be your favorite memory? Because I feel like a lot of Royals fans have stuff that sticks out to them in particular. I personally was fond of him throwing batting practice in a game. Uh, what was your favorite memory of the Chris Owings experience?
1: So it was pretty recent. Um, it was that time when they DFA'd him. I thought that was the best moment of the Chris Ellings era. Um, and if you want a real memory, um, I believe it was early March when I was in Arizona, he had a grand slam. I think it tied the game against the Indians um, in Goodyear. So, a early March grand slam in Arizona was the best memory for me of the Chris Ellings <laughs>
0: era. Hey, man. So, we, we got we to gotta latch on to something. That's $2, 3000000 million. We're never getting that back. So, we got to be able to have at least a few good memories. I I mean, he had the four strikeouts just the other night. In Texas, so that was a good memory as well. He had three before that. I mean, the strikeouts will always stand out to me about the Chris Owings experience. In all seriousness, though, um, the Chris Owings experience is officially over for the Royals, and I know every Royals fan is thrilled about this. What do you think it means moving forward? Like, does it does it actually change anything tangibly for this team the rest of the year, David?
1: Well, I mean, they have one fewer horrible player. That's good. Uh, (laughs) You know. Part of the problem with this roster is we've talked about this all season long. They have talent at the top. They've got star players in the, in the, in the lineup um, and, and some pretty good role players in the lineup. See, Jorge Soler, not a star player. He's, he's really solid in that number six spot when everybody's healthy. Um, you know, the issue is the bottom of the roster, and Chris Owings was the bottom of the bottom of the roster, which is difficult when you've had seasons like Willie Peralta has had and Brad Boxberger. both it them have been better, by the way. Um I mean, I, I put it on Twitter yesterday. Out of 269 Royals ever to have 140 plate appearances, Chris Owings ranked 267th in batting average, 267th in on-base percentage, 267th in strikeout percentage. And what you have to remember there is, on that list are three pitchers. So he was only better than two of them. <laughs> I mean, this is—I'm this is, not. This is not hyperbole when I say he's one of the worst players the Royals has ever had, and he was only here for two months. So. It makes the team better. Um, my guess, I, I thought two three weeks ago, the plan was going to be once Lucas Duda was ready, that was going to be the end of Chris Owings, and not for the roster spot what they were going to do. I thought what they would do was bring up Duda, send down O'Hearn, and then bring up Cuthbert and BFA Chris Owings, because I thought they'd want to soon Cuthbert and, and Duda and have a guy who can play third base. Because, look, those are... For, for as good as he's been, health is not his strongest suit. Yeah, he gets nicks and, and bruises. He takes he needs days off, um, at, at least from third base. Maybe he can DH those days. Maybe he can play them first. But he got to have a guy who can play third. Um, and so that's what I thought was going to happen. I didn't think it would be uh, separate transactions. I thought it would be all one. But um, you know, Dozier had a little injury, and so they needed a third baseman. And this is what happened. I, if the team got better, but and. and, and one of those things that you kind of feel bad because these are people. You know, I mean they're not they're baseball players and they're paid a lot to do this and when they when they say, Oh, that's on them, but they're also people. So you feel bad cheering them, losing their job or whatever, but man, the Royals got better and this is a good thing.
0: We're talking with David Lesky. He writes about the Royals for Royals review and for baseball perspectives, you can give him a follow on Twitter at DB Leskey. Something that happened earlier this week that I found interesting, David, is the Royals and this kinda of went under under the radar a little bit. The Royals announced that Jorge Lopez is going to be making the move to the bullpen, which is the place that we've talked before. Th- this is where Jorge Lopez should be. He His stuff sure. plays back there. When you-, when you look at his numbers, like the splits of when he goes through the order the first time and then what he does the second, third time, like it's very clear what Lopez should be moving forward, and this is the role that's going to suit him well. I find it interesting because... David, I was looking at the numbers. I mean, Jake Diekman's been really good over the last month. Scott Barlow's had his struggles, obviously, but he's still striking people out left and right. You add in Jorge Lopez. like This bullpen's starting to look okay right now, and they've got some pieces that are kind of making it up that maybe some of them, potentially, could actually be interesting at the deadline for a contender as well.
1: Yeah, no, the the bullpen looks okay. Um, On the Lopez front, I don't... I think they handled it pretty perfectly because yeah. with a guy with his kind of stuff and talent, you've got to give him a shot. You got to say, can he can he make it in the rotation? Because you want 180 innings out of him over seven, for sure. And so if, if he could do that, yeah. But things got so bad they just couldn't they couldn't give him the full season to see how that worked out. Um, and look, we saw him, it was a not a normal release appearance. But he had 13 swings and, swings and misses in 73 pitches on whatever that was, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, whatever night that was. Um, that's really good. <laughs> that, that's going to play out of the bullpen. So that's helpful, and you're right. Jake Deakman's been fantastic. Barlow, he had two bad games, and they were back-to-back until it kind of magnified a little bit. But other than that, he's been just dynamite this season. Ian Kennedy's really honestly had, like, two bad games, <laughs> and maybe three in the last, last month and a half, which look, well, if we thought he was going to be a shutdown closer all season, I think we had another thing coming to us anyway. Um, But yeah, and I think Richard Lovelady looked okay when he was up here. He was kind of a a numbers crunch when he got sent down because it was him or Barlow really when Brian Flynn needed to be activated. So um, yeah, he just kind of got caught in the in the numbers crunch there. I, I'm excited to see him come back. Um, look in the minors, Stolmon and Zimmer have been working as openers, which I think they're going to bring back to Kansas City at some point this season.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: they they've been they've looked pretty good down there. So there's there's a lot to like and. You know, I, I mean, look, This bullpen's been a problem this season, but very quietly the rotation has become a bigger problem, mm-hmm. and people haven't quite noticed it because you don't forget those first two weeks of the season, <laughs> even though they mean just as much as the most recent two weeks. Um, but, I mean, if you look at bullpen area, the Royals ranked, like, 12th, I think, in, the, in, a, in baseball in May, maybe a little higher now because I, I looked at that before yesterday's game in in May. They, they, they were... a quietly above average bullpen in the month of May. So I, I think things are starting to turn there. They've just got to figure something out with the rotation. Um, and, you know, maybe I, I, that, that's the reason why, even though they're on pace for, what, 100? They're on pace for 100 losses. I can't remember. The yeah,
0: Whatever, they have the worst winning percentage so, right now in the history of the franchise, which ain't great.
1: Yeah, which is not great. Um, but I think the fact that they have some plans in place to help the rotation, um, which I think the, that opener will do, is – that, that's why if, if you made me bet, I'd probably bet on under 100 losses this season because I think there's too much talent, and they're starting to purge that bottom of the roster that's been such a problem. You know, I, think, I think they're going to win more games than people maybe want them to win <laughs> as the season goes on for, for draft placement next year. But I, I still have this feeling that at some point they're going to get hot and run off. I don't want to say 15 or 20 because that's, that's the classic Dayton Moore response. But, look, I think they could go 12 and 4 over a fifteen game period because they've got that kind of talent at the top of the roster and like i said they're kind of in that bottom right
0: now. two quick questions left for you as we're talking with david lesky he writes about the royals for royals review and baseball prospectus you can follow him on twitter at db lesky jorge soler was a bit of a conversation earlier this week david he is now on pace for 37 doubles and 40 home runs he's hitting 240 which isn't perfect but whatever The one number that is a little surprising to me is that he's only getting on base at a 290 clip. I thought that would be higher at this point, but the sluggings there, he's been solid at the plate all season. The power has certainly been exactly what everybody had anticipated when they made the trade with Wade Davis for him. Is this the player that you thought at the time of that trade the Royals would be getting? Sort of. Um,
1: You're right. The on-base percentage is weird. He's chasing more pitches outside the strike zone. Um, He's up over 30% for the first time since... Uh, 2015, I think 2016, somewhere in there. Um, so that's not ideal. Um, and that, that's keeping his on base percentage a little lower. But you're also seeing more strikes this season, I believe. So, you know, he's swinging at what he can swing at. But yeah, I mean, big power. Um, he's going to strike out a lot. That's just the way it's. That's, that's the deal with Jorge Soler. And, you know, I, I believe that if you have. If Jorge Soler is hitting third or fourth in your lineup, you probably have a bad lineup. If he's hitting fifth or sixth, you're, they're, they're the sub-300-on-base guy. Um, hitting fifth or sixth, he's probably – you're playing a pretty decent lineup because you got guys in front of them who on base. They was a Mondesi, Merrifield, Gordon, Dozier. These guys are all 330-plus on-base guys. You know, the guy back there who's going to hit 40 home runs, yeah, I'll take that all day long, and, and I think it, it works well for this lineup.
0: Final question for you, David. Uh, next week is the draft. We're just, what, three days away now. The Royals hold the number two overall two pick. Days. Two days away. My my apologies. So the Royals basically, it sounds like at least, are 100% locked in on this. What is his name? Bobby Witt Jr.? Is that the kid? Uh-huh. So yeah. he's a shortstop. Everybody says he's really good. Give us your 60-second spiel because I know nothing about the man other than that everybody else thinks he's good. You certainly know these prospects more than I do. What can you tell our audience about the guy that it sounds like the Royals are going to be picking at number two overall in this week's draft?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as the Orioles don't take Adley Rushman, I think the Royals are taken Bobby Witt. Uh, or, or the Orioles do take Adley Rushman.
0: Um, and even if they
1: don't, they might take Witt. Witt, the the comp that you hear a lot, Trevor Story, who was an MVP guy last year, I mean, he had a chance to win the MVP in the National League. Um, athletic shortstop, he can stick there. He can run, he can hit. There's There were some questions about his hit tool that he's answered a little bit this season. Um, Big-time power. The pedigree, obviously, his dad is the third overall pick. 30-something years, 35 years ago. Um, really, really solid player. Um, really high ceiling. The floor, you know, in high school, guys, the floor is not not as high as, as some others might be, like an Andrew Vaughn, but I think, it, I think it'll be a really good pick, and I think you know, he's immediately a top 40-50 prospect in baseball.
0: Would he immediately be the Royals' best prospect in their system? Uh,
1: probably so. Kind of depends on how you value the pitching that they drafted last sure. year. Um, you know, Brady Singer has been so good in the minors that you almost have the, the the thought to say, look, he's done it in professional ball to make it be number one or with number two. But I would I would say with probably number
0: one. He's David Lesky. You can read his work, Royals Review and Baseball Prospectus is where you find it. You can also follow him on Twitter at DB Lesky. David, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us this morning. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Thanks, Brandon. You
0: bet. That's David Lesky joining us here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Yeah, that kid's team's good. There was an article earlier this week by Jim Callis, who formerly worked in baseball in a front office, and he said he's the best shortstop prospect since Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, that'll play. (laughs) The best shortstop prospect since A-Rod. Okay, I don't know anything more about the kid. I've never seen him play, but man, if he's that, I will absolutely sign up for that today. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so, why are we still having the debate about this? We'll do that coming up in 15 minutes, but coming up next, I've got two things I want to get into. Two things that I just don't understand. Number one, why are we worried about the Chiefs running game? Number two, why do people continue to say that the Colts have a better future than the Chiefs? I don't understand it. We'll discuss it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio.
1: The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio.